Hi, this is Adina here with today's episode of Wonder Your Way to Brilliant, podcast show of courage to be curious. And we're on the final episode in this month of October of the Niyama we've been exploring of Swadhyaya or self-study. And I don't know, I think all the episodes are personal episodes and sometimes I feel like they are slightly more personal than other episodes or perhaps I you know, what I mean by that is that I feel inclined to share something that might be in a little bit more of a raw state internally for me than other things are. So today is one of those episodes. And so in this study that we're doing or this exploration of self-study, you know, this is the ability to look at oneself through witness eyes or observer eyes. And we talked about this a little bit in last week's episode of the practice of self-study means being able to both be in your life and also an observer of it, an objective observer that I can look on and see what's going on with me in, you know, from outside, from a little bit of a, a distant vantage point. And the reason that that's so challenging I think is because of our ego self, our ego self that is very wrapped up in the I. And in the ego self, when the ego self is active, it's I who's having the experience, I who's at the experience or at the effect of things that are happening around me. This is happening to me. I want this. I need this. I feel this. This is my experience. Um, this is happening to me. This is terrible for me. This is all of those things. And in the ego experience, and the ego is an important part of our, you know, overall makeup, is everything centers around the I. And it's sort of like thinking like from a very zoomed in, like we had a zoom lens, like very close up. We have no distance from it. We're just in the experience of it. And in that experience of it, it's, you know, very focused on the I self. And to go into the practice of self-study means the willingness to pull back the lens further, to instead of seeing everything as though it's happening to me, for me, you know, my needs, my responsiveness, like right up close and very um, felt emotionally in an intense way, it's to pull back and see things from more of a distance. So, you know, in my current experience of life, where I am in the journey right now, is, you know, I have brought in, I've opened my life up to a new experience that has, don't know where it's going on the journey, don't know the full destination or the full experience because we can never know, um, but has already opened itself up to be remarkable in many ways. So some of the most wonderful experiences and wonderful opportunities and also matched by that by some of the greatest challenges that I have ever faced. And the moments of greatest challenge also become the platform for the opportunities of self-study. Moments of challenge also oftentimes become the moments that we resist self-study because they can become moments where we feel despairing or we feel like we wanna just be taken care of or have the difficult thing go away or, you know, somebody to save us or whatever those things are. And so whenever we're in the difficult, we're either typically, and I know this myself, either wallowing in that space of it or seeking to figure out how I get out of the space of it. And what I'm least 
inclined to do in the moment is to go into and explore the space of it. And I think as the practice of self-study matures and as we get better at this, or we become more skillful at it, you know, that becomes where we call ourselves to that we recognize when the I has taken over, I need, I have to, this happening to me, you know, I should, or, you know, what I, what, what I have to experience and things like that, to stepping back and sort of noticing the self from this distance and saying the thing that is the hardest place for me also has the opportunity to be the most instructive for me. And you know, when I look at it, I, I notice that that's what this experience is. And I just want to pause and I want to say, like, it's interesting when we think about, like, force and counterforce. You know, something that is very lightweight and soft, like if we think about a t- child's truck or whatever, you know, the good news, bad news is, right, it doesn't take very much effort to push the truck along. I can give it a little push and it will go, you know, rolling for a bit. And also if it bumps into me, somebody else has pushed the little truck and it bumps into my foot, it's not going to feel so bad, right? It's a little tap and I'm okay. So there's this thing of like force and equal force, you know, doesn't take much to push it, doesn't, you know, feel like very much if it bumps into me. And what I've noticed in this realm of looking at my life through a spiritual lens is that those things, this, there's this balance of intensity, those things that feel most intense are typically those things that have the capacity to be the most instructive or the most transformative. And I've been tracking this for a while to kind of notice how this force and counterforce plays out. And I have to say, at least in my self-study so far, it seems to be true. That mild discomfort, you know, doesn't take a lot to get through and can be mildly instructive. Things that have great force to them, things that create great amounts of discomfort have great potential to be instructive, great potential to be transformative, and great potential for self-learning. So for all of those of us, which is all of us, who like to resist the things that are most difficult, again, this is my, my another means of my inviting us to say, perhaps there is something instructive about our having the courage, about our having the willingness to go toward and look at the things that are providing the greatest, that we're feeling the greatest amount of resistance to, or we feel like are putting the greatest amount of strain on our current state of being. And, you know, in my current experience, I'm certainly finding that to be the case, that as this experience becomes challenging for me, that I go into the space of I, this is what I need, this is what's happening to me, this is, you know, what's not working for me, this is what's uncomfortable for me, and I can look back And I can see myself spending a lot of time in the I space. I will admit that I think I, like many other people, the I space becomes particularly active in the late afternoon and into the nighttime. And it can temper or there can be a little bit more spaciousness in the morning, at least for me to practice self-study. But, you know, I go into this space. And then when I start to pull back that zoom lens and start to allow my witness an observer to come in and start to do what it is they do so well, I find this really fascinating thing that happens is that um, they go through, it's almost like a doorway that leads to a doorway that leads to a doorway that leads to a doorway. So the first doorway that the witness or observer opens 
you know, provides a little bit of insight. So it's sort of like taking a few steps back and now you can see a little bit more, like instead of just seeing the thing that's right in front of you, you can see some of the things that surround it. And I can see a little bit more. And then as I take another few steps back, more comes into view. And then a few more steps back, more comes into view. And this is like opening the doors. First door gives a little glimpse of some insight that I didn't have before. And often that accompanies just a tad bit of softening because whenever we're resisting something or feeling burdened by something or strained by something, we put up our walls, we resist a lot, we get tight, we get tense, we go to self-protection. And I notice that when I go through the first door, even, you know, I can notice a little bit of softening as, you know, the perspective of the observer starts to become activated. And I find that that first door is never really the door, it's never enough, right? Um, sometimes I think, especially in the early stages of self-study, we open the first door and we get a little bit of insight. Oh, I know what's happening here. You know, we get open that first door, we see something we didn't see before, and we get all excited and we like think that, oh, this is it. And then we're like, all right, I got it figured out. Let me go and take action. Let me go and act on that and, and fix things or take care of things or whatever it is. And my experience has been is that that first door is never really it. It's sort of like in um, the consulting work I do, there's this exercise called the five whys that help us get to the root cause of something. So if we're trying to, like there's a problem in a system somewhere and we're trying to get to the root cause, asking why is this happening, the first time never gets us there. And typically it takes five or six whys of going deeper and deeper and deeper that gets us to the root cause of why this thing is actually occurring. And the same is true in our self-study. So that first door feel can feel very exciting. And oh my gosh, I just saw something I haven't seen before. I understand something I didn't understand before. And what I want to encourage in this episode is like, keep going, keep opening. In the first episode in this month, I talked about the kids who wrapped a special present in box after box after box after box, you know, the bigger box and then slightly smaller box, slightly smaller box, slightly smaller box. And then inside it was like really the treasured present. And to invite us into the idea that the same is true in self-study, that the deepest treasures of our self-discovery, that the insights that are going to move us forward and grow us on our spiritual path and in our path of understanding ourselves and of being in the world from a place of love and place of acceptance are you have to open you have to go through many many doors to get there and so whenever we feel like we've gotten the first door and we've gotten that insight like ah okay just all right what would it, what might be behind the next door if i keep getting more curious if i sit with what i've discovered now and then i wonder what else might i not be seeing and then open the next door and then keep going. And just like with the five whys, what I usually explain to people when I'm doing this exercise in my consulting work is that the way that you're going to know that you got to the root cause is not only that did you have insights. Insights are what you get when you go through the first few doors or the first few whys. What you get when you're at the root cause, the way that you know that you're there is that you feel something different inside, that there is an emotional shift, oftentimes an emotional release of some kind that we literally can experience at the physiological level. And I've seen this happen in workshops with people when we are doing the five why exercise and everyone's getting insight and this makes sense and oh, I didn't think about that before. And then you get to like why number four or five, six or seven when somebody goes like, 
oh, wow. And when that oh, wow comes, it's like now we're really talking. Now we've gotten to some place that really has some meat and juice for moving forward. The same is true in this exercise of self-study. The same is true is that when we open that first door, we're like, oh my God, yeah, right. And then we go through the next door and we're getting these insights and they feel really cool. But then when we keep going, eventually we get to that place where we're like, oh, wow, wow. There's something really there that I know to be true. I know to be a place of moving or shifting for me. I know of being a place that if I really took this on, come face to face with it and willing to go toward this, that um, it's going to change something significant. And so this has been my experience, um, both in the current situation and past situations that I wanted to share today. Because, you know, in being in this place of taking on something that feels really challenging, you know, I've opened a door here. Yeah. Okay. Well, I understand that. Now I can go fix it or, you know, and I'm off to the races and then I'm realizing, no, yeah, I don't fully understand this yet. Let's go back. Let's look at it again. And to have the awareness of that is one thing. And then to have the patience and perseverance to pursue it is another to wait and say, okay, that insight's interesting. But before I go and act or fix or take the next step, let me sit with that a little longer. Let me open that next door. So how do we open those doors? And again, it's going to be a little bit different for each person, but I'm just going to share a couple of the practices that I have that move me through this cycle. Um, certainly the first one is, you know, the pausing, knowing that coming to a conclusion and acting right away, acting swiftly does not allow enough time to cycling through. You know, it, it gets us through one door and then we think, so it does require more time than perhaps we're used to investing in coming up with solutions to problems because we're not actually solving problems. We're pursuing self-study and these are two different activities. So one is we need a lot of space and a lot of time. And that doesn't mean we're just sitting around and thinking and contemplating, but it means like from the moment I think about this to the moment I might take some action that I'm leaving enough time to have it go through a few different doors. Second thing I find is, is having those moments of quiet reflection. So moments that are dedicated to sitting down and specifically, whether it's praying about it, asking for guidance from God, the universe, the mystery, wherever we might, you know, see source of uh, wisdom coming from, is sitting down and actually requesting that I receive that support. Um, and for me, I find that sitting down and putting something on paper helps. Um, because of the way I operate, as you know me, I usually begin with a question, whether it's what am I not seeing here that would be helpful for me to see, or where, where is there another perspective on this? Or what am I so upset about and what's generating that sadness or that frustration or those things? So I typically start any kind of writing that I do with a question because the question opens up and activates um, the mind in a different way. It also conditions us and sends the instructions to be curious rather than decisive. And curiosity is an open place where we can receive information, you know, decisiveness, solving, decision-making, you know, is looking for the quickest path someplace. And so it opens up two different things in the brain and two different things in the inner experience. So when I do journal, 
or write about things, which is a lot because it gets me through some of the later doors, is that I begin with a question. And then I just allow myself to sit and write about it and see what happens. And sometimes I write about the same question multiple times. Meditation is also one of those things, going into a space of meditation, which is really about, again, sitting with no agenda except clarity. You know, send the intention into the universe at the beginning of my meditation that says, you know, I'd like to feel clearer here. I'd like to understand something I don't already understand. And just set that intention and then move into meditation. So that's another way I go about it. Sometimes I go out, and especially this time of year, which is so beautiful, is I go out into nature and I take a walk. And I set my intention that there will be something in this walk, something in nature that provides guidance that I wasn't expecting. So whatever my current situation is, whatever the current thing is that I'm facing, you know, there is something else out here in the world that has the capacity to be instructive to me here. And I just say, you know, on this walk, may I find something that can open a door and be instructive. So that's another stance I'll take. Um, Conversations with other people can also be helpful. They can also not be helpful. And I don't say harmful, but they could be helpful or they could be not helpful. And so I just want to say a word as I'm thinking about this self-study thing in terms of when we talk with others, because when we're distraught, when we're upset, when we're frustrated, when we're swirling and things like that, some of us close in and some of us, you know, go outward seeking support. And we go out and we look for guidance from other people or we just think we need to release this somewhere and we talk to other people. And so I just want to say a few words about the talking with other people as a mechanism and tool for self-study. Is It's certainly something that I, I talk to people. I'm, an, you know, I'm a verbalizer, somebody who likes to talk through things, so I will typically call people. But I'll also invite my witness to be very present. And what I invite my witness to be present to is, is the reason I'm talking to this person because I simply need to release everything that's inside, like frustration or any of those things or just energy build up. And sometimes talking about it just gets it out so that we can clear some of it. So it's not like a pent up bottle, like that's filled with, you know, ready to explode or something like that. So, you know, is this just an opportunity to release this? And lots of times I found that that can be a helpful thing. Like I'll say to something, I don't need anything. I just need to talk about it. I just need to get it out. Can you just be a listener for this? And then from the aspect of self-study, I'm not looking for anything from that other than to just release what's inside. You know, in terms of getting advice from people, and most people like to give advice, whether we've asked for it or not. So most people like to give advice. Most people like to provide their take on a situation is that it's important to be aware of a few things. One is anytime anybody is giving us their thoughts on something or their advice on something, their intention is to be supportive to us but the, and the source of their wisdom comes from their own experience and how they think they would be or what they would need or how they would be responding in our situation. Because it has to be. That's the only thing they can talk on. They can only talk on what it would be like or how they would see it or experience it, what they would need from their vantage point because they're them. So recognizing, letting our witness observer be aware of the fact that Words of wisdom that come from other people are really an articulation of their experience as they see it in relationship to the thing that we've shared. It is not 
the cosmic answer to the situation. And we all know that because if we talk to four or five different people, I've had clients say this to me, well, I've talked to these people and they say X and I've talked to these people and they say Y. And so we have evidence all over the place that when people talk to us, they're talking to us from their experience and not from my cosmic source of wisdom that is truth. So when we talk to other people in this experience, in this journey of self-study is sometimes talking to people opens up things we have not thought about. It invites perspective that might, we might not be seeing. But the journey doesn't stop with just hearing what they said and then taking it on as the, our solution. The witness and that observer and our practice of self-study is to take that and say, what about that is true for me in this situation? And what about what they've shared is not true for me in this situation or doesn't really apply or, you know, just might not be the best thing for me here in this moment. It's not that anybody has bad advice. It's not that there are people that they're not helpful. It's just that the role of the witness and the practice of self-study does not stop with just hearing what other people say and then making it our own. It, you know, involves more steps. And so as we go into the self-study, I think it's important for us to consider what is the role that we other people play in our journey. And so I like to think of other people as source material, you know, like they're people who are caring. So I know when they speak, they're speaking from a place of caring about me. When they speak, they're speaking and offering insights that come from their life experience, which is different from mine. But then once I get all of that, then it's on me to sort through it and sift through it and synthesize it. And which of those things really feel like they're instructive or informative for me in the situation that I'm in now. And if we don't take that on, we haven't really completed a practice of self-study. We've just tried to take somebody else's answers and pass them off as our own. So, you know, this is, I wanted to offer in this final episode on Swadhyaya of self-study, some of the very concrete ways that I go about this process. And then I think about this because I think it's essential. I think it's essential that we are in a forever practice of self-study. That is how we will know ourselves. It is how we attain moments of pure emotional freedom how we can access a sense of you know contentment and peace and love is to be able to you know have a sense of self that is separate from all the busy things that happen outside there and i'll just end today's episode with sharing the story from there's a text in yoga um, called the Upanishads. And so one of the, the yoga's Upanishads talks about the story of two birds that are in a tree. And this is in Deborah Jell's book. One, bir- one bird is busy flitting around from tree to tree to tree, and the other is sitting on the limb watching. And as long as we identify ourselves with the bird that is flitting around, we're going to be stuck in our belief systems. The more we identify with the bird who simply watches, the more we will begin to understand our belief system. And it is this understanding of how we have created our reality that marks progress in our growth. Seeing our conditioning is the victory. Knowing that we aren't who we thought we were begins to open up the possibility for knowing our true selves. So my invitation to you as we conclude this month of Swadhyaya and self-study is to... um, Really allow yourself to explore in the space. Be patient with yourself. Explore in the space. And 
set out there is the intention behind self-study not to fix oneself, but to know oneself. Because in my experience, the knowing oneself is glorious. It is the light-filled place. And for each of us to know the light-filled place, the God place, the source place inside of ourselves is the most glorious thing we can do. Thank you for listening this month. If you have anything you would like to share with me, feel free to email me at adina at courage to be curious.com. And blessings for your continued journey in Swadiyaya. <laughs>